You are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This episode of Rootbound is brought to you by Arugula, the leafy green that's fun to say, Arugula. You can also call it Rocket. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I'm the host of the show, and my name is Steve. Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, and each week I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them, and then I share with a guest about a plant that means something to me, and through this process we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. But this is one of those special episodes where the guest chose a plant that's on my secret list of plants. It's a plant that also is meaningful to me, and so this is a special episode where we're only going to be talking about one plant. But before we get to that, I'm currently in Texas visiting family, and and about a year ago, I was also in Texas, and shortly after, I spoke with my friend Genevieve about blue bonnets on the show. And blue bonnets are the state flower of Texas, and so I'm here back in Texas, I'm thinking about blue bonnets, and I had the thought... Why do we have state flowers? In fact, we're going to talk about another flower that's the state flower of a different state later. But yeah, how did this whole idea of state flowers come to be? Well, I have a riddle for you. What do state flowers and Pabst Blue Ribbon have in common? I'll give you a second. (laughs) It's okay if you didn't get the answer. Uh, They were both things that came into being at the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. Now, this World Fair was a very impactful moment in American history. Um, Lots of things got their start at this fair. Electricity was really shown off for the first time in America. It existed before then, but that was kind of like its debut on a large scale in this country. The Ferris wheel was shown off, invented for this fair, and shown off at that fair. Lots of products like Pabst Blue Ribbon, um, which actually started off being known as Pabst Best Select, but it got the blue ribbon at that fair and became Pabst Blue Ribbon. But other things like, I think, Juicy Fruit and Cream of Wheat also started at that fair, so very impactful fair. But someone had the idea at that fair that they wanted to create a national garland, and so they asked every state to bring a state flower, and that's where the idea of having a state flower really originated, and now... Uh, basically every state has a state flower it's often enshrined in law probably every state i'm not sure about that but i think every state has like an official state flower and that idea though came from the uh, 1893 chicago world's fair so i thought that was pretty cool thought i'd share it with you and now let's meet our guest who's been on the show before actually star of the chicago world's fair in 1893 immortalized by these museum piece movies among the first ever made Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Hi, Steve. Do you have a plan to share with us today? I sure do. I am going to share with you the sunflower. Wonderful. If if I had the batteries working in my little machine, I would play a sound for you right now. Uh, but I have to edit it in, in post because my machine broke. But this is a special episode. We're going to be talking about only one plant, and that's the sunflower. Because how could it not be? I mean, it's the sunflower. It's such an iconic plant. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. I get to be on a special episode. It feels very special. Yeah. You, you, when you were texting me about it, you were like, how did no one choose sunflower already? I'm like, yeah, how, how did that? It's, it's, yeah. Um, all right. Well, well, um, 
yeah, why, why did you choose? Well, actually, I have a little bit, a little bit of a hint. Maybe I don't know. There's maybe more reasons, but maybe, maybe also with the magic of editing, I can input some audio you sent me the other day, and then maybe mm-hmm. you can explain it. So here, audience, uh, uh, here is the audio that Rebecca sent me. Oh, sunflowers don't often get eaten by deer. We had some this year, and they were all eaten. They barely survived. Okay, can you describe what we just heard, Rebecca? So that was my daughter, Maya. Um, So I was talking to her about how I was going to be on the podcast and um, that I was going to talk about sunflowers, and I just decided to get her take. And so that was her take. Um, We have had some mixed experiences growing sunflowers here in our yard. Um, And I'll go ahead and tell you about them. The first year, it was awesome. So we, I I took her to Home Depot. She was about five, four, yeah, so young. And let her pick out some seeds and she picked out the mammoth gray stripe sunflower seeds, um, which I was like, okay, let's give it a go because we get a lot of sun. So I figured, why not? Let's grow some sunflowers. And I love seeing them like poke over people's fences. And it's Mm -hmm. just such an epic plant. Mm -hmm. So that year we grew sunflowers. We just planted that. We planted them in a couple areas and in two of the areas um, we got we got one bloom and then two in the other side. So we got about we got about three very large sunflowers. Like really, the heads were about I don't know five six inches across. Mm. Um, the packet I was just looking at the seed packet again. It said um, they get up to twelve feet. Probably wasn't quite twelve feet, but they were very mm. huge. Um, so it was really awesome. And then when they were all done and dried out, we could see the seeds. So we could have harvested the seeds and like, I don't know, eat them or, Mm -hmm. you know, save them for next year. But we just hung the dried out, um, kind of like, I don't know, the giant. The seed head thing. Yeah. Seed head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That thing. Um, we hung it up by our bird feeder and, um, the birds got some of it and then we found some we found one in the woods that the squirrels like took down and <laughs> anyway it was a good time we enjoyed yeah. we enjoyed that year of growing sunflowers so the second year we tried it again same seeds we were all excited we're like this is going to be great we had a couple new places around our house that we wanted to try to plant sunflowers and our neighbor was over and so she helped us plant the sunflowers and like, oh it's going to be great you know germination time is really low on these that's what's re- that's another thing that's really cool oh, is yeah. they germinate within like 7 to t- 14 days or so right, so you can right. see the shoot coming out so we got some shoots we were all excited like oh yeah we got a couple that you know got really big but not huge um i would say they were probably out and maybe like i don't know up to my like mid thigh or waist by the time that they got chomped by deer, we got, they just got decimated, um, you know, everything. So it was really sad. We came out, you know, like, Oh yeah, it's going to be great. And then just the sunflower, you know, the head, the little 
you know, head that had started was gone. Mm-hmm. And the, oh, no. yeah, so it was a bummer. So we got, we ended up like a couple of them recovered a little bit, but they just turned out really small. Um, so, oh, Brian, just I wonder if the, <laughs> he brought me the seat, the, uh, oh, the nice. packet again. Yeah, here it is. Mammoth gray stripe. Very so. epic name. I wonder if the uh, if the deer got the memo from the squirrels. They're like, "Hey, next year." I don't know. Flowers. Yeah. I think like we've just been really effective at attracting wildlife to our yard. Yeah. So Which is nice. like, yeah. it's cool. It's cool. But the deer, yeah, ah, they got everything. So it's it's, it's tough. Uh, the the sunflowers too. Like I think. You know, some plants can kind of bounce back, but because sunflower is like this really tall annual plant, like once it's been chomped, it's kind of hard for it to recover. It's not like something that's branching and has like lots of things going on. Everything is going into that one stock. It's like the one, the one chance. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, so that, is that, you've only tried for two years or? or That 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 is it. That's, that was our, yeah. Yeah. That's that's it so far. I mean, they're really awesome, but I just, I think like from now on, you know, I really have to plant things that are, you know, deer resistant or Mm. I I bought a bunch of uh, native plants that said, you know, deer rarely eat. So I think that's pretty much where we have to be right now because we have woods behind our house, but I highly recommend them as a plant to grow if you have a lot of sun because really like we didn't do much with them. They needed a lot of water. Mm. Um, we grew them kind of next to the wall of our house so that they had some protection from wind because once they Mm -hmm. get tall, the heads are really heavy and they start kind of like drooping over. Um, so it's nice to have a little bit of protection or, um, you know, sometimes I've heard, like, I've seen people kind of attach them to their fence or something just so they have a little support Mm -hmm. depending on what variety you decide to grow. Um, yeah, I only but, grew them one year. I don't know why I haven't grown them more because they're really cool. But my best one was like looking really good, and then it just like cracked because of the weight, and I was really bummed. Um, but uh, that's how it yeah. goes. There, but that that it, there is like they are in that way a little bit can be a little bit tricky to grow because yeah, like like they. It's it, yeah. It's like it's like corn too. I've tried to grow corn, and everything is you got you got to get it all the way up to that maturity of that one kind of thing, and and that's where it's all going right. There's nothing. There's no hedging your bets with it. It's like that plant right. is going to make it or or it won't. Um, yeah. But I should try again because they're cool and they also are native plants. So that's that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. They're they're kind of. I mean, I was reading about like the history a little bit. Um, and I can go into that a little bit yep. if you're Yeah, please, you're down. please do. I have, some, I have some of that stuff too, so let's go. Okay. Those. All right, cool. Yeah, so let's see what we got. So, yeah, I mean, they. I read that they are native to North America and Mexico. Um, Super fascinating thing about that, by the way. different species of sunflowers. There's just a lot of different kinds. But, yeah, go ahead. Um, I read that they are they are particularly native to North America except for three species from South America. But unlike a lot of plants, there's a lot of plants that in the genus, the genus is like another continent even, right? Yeah. But, but, but uh, sunflower or there's stuff that is in both South America and North America, but so- sunflower, for whatever reason, all genuses are only kind of like North America and a little bit in Central America and then just three that made it to South America. So that's pretty interesting. Hmm, like a, that is interesting. A, it's very native a plant. It's like a native genus. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's the, uh, the Asteraceae family, which I know you've had lots <laughs> of plants on this show yeah. that are part of that family. It's called the sunflower family. So, so yeah. So the, uh, so the, a little bit of taxonomy here. Asteraceae mm-hmm. is the family. The genus is Helianthus. Okay. And then the ones that you're talking about, the most common one is Helianthus uh, uh, anus, which is the annual sunflower. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One other thing to note about Asteraceae, which is the aster family, uh, um, they were also called the com- at one point called the Compositidae, Compositidae, because mm-hmm. they're composite flowers. Do you have that in your notes? The composite. I flowers do. Are just- yeah. Yep. Yeah, why don't you explain the composite flower thing? Okay, yeah, let's see. So it's, it's you get one flower, one head, I guess, that actually has um, a whole bunch of different tiny, tiny little flowers on that one head. Is that a good, I don't know. Exactly, let's exactly. See. Yeah. Totally. No, it's, that's what's so interesting about them because the, what, what we call the sunflower is actually not the flower it is a flower head and the the little yellow petals are 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 called ray florets they're not traditional petals and it and if sunflowers are great all of the asters everything in the aster family is like this if you look close enough but the sunflower it makes it really obvious if you look really close you can see the little flower, and if you watch a bee pollinating a sunflower, you see that it's going to every little flower, and then every little flower turns into a seed. So it, it makes that yeah. process really obvious, which is cool. It's so cool. When we did have the big sunflower heads, um, there were always bees on there. Just, I mean, they were just well loved. Yeah. Yeah. I have some good pictures from the year I grew them. I have to put them in the, in the nice. post for this because yeah, there's yeah, they're they're so cool. Yeah, so they're, they're, I, I really like that about them. It's really a clear example of the idea of a composite flower, which is uh, in a lot of plants we know, but it's hard to it's hard to see. Like a dandelion, for example, is the same, but it's not as obvious. I think when you're looking, you know, because they're smaller, so it's harder to like see that. Yeah. Are cone think- flowers also a composite flower? Yes. Yeah, because yep. they have the you know, there's just like a bunch of different spots to be pollinated mm-hmm. within the one head. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. So yeah, there we go. What else you got in your notes there? Um, okay, so let's see. So yeah, so there are there are now um cultivated forms, but also wild forms. And it mm-hmm. sounds like the first they were cultivated by Native Americans in Arizona and New Mexico, about three thousand BC is what I have. Um, I have forty five hundred years have? ago, so that's that's oh, that's about okay. right, I guess. Yeah, that's about that right. seems about uh, close. Uh, yeah, within give or take a thousand years. Yeah. yeah, they're they're one of the earliest <laughs> cultivated ones, and also apparently cultivated before corn. Mm hmm. Which is pretty. Yeah, cool. pretty cool. And then they were transported to Europe around fifteen hundred, is what I had. Mm-hmm. And then um, it became very popular. Um, in Russia. So in Russia, Russian farmers were growing a lot of them in the early 19th century. So that, that's the thing that stood out to me, which I thought was super fascinating, that, that the commercial production of sunflowers started in Russia. So you have this plant so that is a truly North American plant, right? We said it doesn't have any, any genus, but it made its way to Russia 
and it started being cultivated so much so that Ukraine's national flower is a sunflower. Cool. Right? Oh, I didn't have that. That's right. awesome. When yeah, and so you, Ukraine's, I guess, were the biggest producers of sunflowers and sunflower oil. But cool. the reason why this happened, apparently, I have a couple sources on this. I don't know if you have this written down. Um, is that uh, in the Russian Orthodox Church during Lent, um, most oils were not allowed. But I guess sunflower oil was a bit of a loophole because it was a new oil. And so I think apparently that's one of the reasons why it became very popular in Russian cuisine, because you could use it during Lent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did have that. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I thought funny. that was so fun. And then, and then so, so then they got brought back to the U.S. Right. For, for commercial scale production. So mm-hmm. uh, interesting yeah. uh, round the world journey for that, that flower. Really interesting. Yeah, I was looking at, you know, how, um, so I was curious about like how, how many sunflowers are produced for agricultural purposes. Mm. Um, so the only way I can put this in perspective is compared to corn. So I just went <laughs> and looked up like, so I found, I, I found these figures, um, acres planted of sunflowers for agricultural purposes in 2022 was 1,693. Okay. And then I found a number for corn. This is 2019, but it's 9.1 million acres. So, so I'm sorry, 91.7 million acres of corn versus just about 1,700 acres of sunflowers. So it's not, you know, not like, anywhere close to corn obviously but um yeah i don't know just just very interesting interesting. yeah i i think still russia and ukraine are still the largest producers commercially which is pretty interesting too i I always find that so fascinating about foods that become so attached to a place far away from their like native range and become like so so ingrained in identity that they become the national flower of a country for example so that's That's so interesting yeah yeah Uh, have you ever been to i was just looking up the name of this uh, the place called mckee besher's wildlife management area in in maryland no is it one of those places where they have a giant field of sunflowers yeah, if you're on Instagram yeah. <laughs> in in the end of summer in the DC yeah. area, it's like. Nice. And, and, and Carla and I went out there one time, and it was so fun. Awesome. I mean, it's really beautiful, but it was just so funny because the the field is like a field of sunflowers, and it's just peppered with with a uh, uh, Instagram aspiring uh, influencers, you know, taking pictures with the sunflowers. So it was pretty. There's fun. a place I, out here that has like they do tulips in uh, you know tulip season, and then they do sunflowers during sunflower. It's like the same farm. They're like really on top of it yeah <laughs> good business it's a good business yeah um, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so interesting cool stuff yeah um let me see if i have the other thing I, yeah I, I don't know this has probably come up when you've talked about other plants like almonds and things like that but it's just interesting they you know they figured out they could squeeze this oil out of the seed and i was just thinking i was like why would you I don't know. It's just weird that they, you know, North America, uh, Native Americans decided to, to do that. And then, um, you know, the English got, got a patent for squeezing the oil from the sunflower seed. It's just interesting that people, yeah. take, you know, are like, oh, let's, <laughs> it is interesting. Like there's, you know, like some plants, like, you know, the olive 
is pretty obvious, right? Because you're just squishing a fruit and you're getting the oil, a very oily. But but getting oil from a seed seems like a lot of work. And I was trying to figure out like what the methodology was, like the pre-industrial methodology for getting oil out of sunflower oils or pre-colonialism. I couldn't find much. Probably you're just smashing it between two pieces of wood, I guess, would be the way to do it and let it run out. Um, Right. I would like, I have... I have like fantasies about extracting my own oils. <laughs> there's a whole like I don't need any more weird hobbies, but there's like a whole uh, rabbit hole of people who like make their own like artisanal oils, and there's like a you know pretty cool little press you can get that you like clamp to your uh, your you know counter and you crank it and it squishes the oil out. Um, and you can do it with sunflowers, but you can do it with like almost any nut, and it, it seems like it's really fun. But uh, I also I don't oh, I don't cool. need a, I don't need any other equipment. <laughs> I guess <laughs> more some, more plants to process. Yeah, I know, right. I know. But someday, and I would like I would like to do that with sunflower because actually, you know, um, why I want to make a special episode as far as why it's meaningful to me. One, I've grown them one year. I think they're really cool. Um, I do also. I talked about in another episode the the sun choke or the Jerus- Jerusalem artichoke is also in the same genus as sunflower. So I do have those in my yard. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But uh, sunflower oil is oil that I have a lot at the house. I I actually have sunflower oil, and it's because I feel like in recipes there's a lot of recipes. I feel like the default oil in the United States is olive oil now. But olive mm-hmm. oil has a really strong flavor, and there's a lot of recipes that where, like, if I'm making Mexican food, I don't think I want to use olive oil, right? Like putting a European oil in a, in a you know, <laughs> food that is you know, uh, truly American food. So right. I like to use olive oil in places where I feel like it doesn't need a European flair. Um, mm-hmm, also, also mm-hmm. it's a it's a more neutral oil than than olive oil. Okay. A note on that in a minute, though. Um, and also, it has a higher smoke point than olive oil. So if you want to get mm. something really hot, it's it's a good oil for that. Um, however, the neutrality I real I learned is because they deodorize sunflower oil. Oh, okay. Which I didn't know. Um, yes, ap- apparently raw sunflower oil has. They I've read places where it has like an unpleasant taste. I think it just apparently tastes like apparently just tastes like sunflower seeds. But I don't know. I think at some okay. point. The people decided the market didn't want an oil that tasted like that and so they they put it through this process where they basically like shoot hot steam through it and they like vaporizes <laughs> the volatile compounds that are causing the smells before it goes on the market so i want now i want to track down raw sunflower uh, oil yeah and see what it tastes like so not only do we squeeze oil out of seeds then we you know do the other process that you just mentioned of just deodorizing them it's really to- well totally and even even more than that like you know, when you look at olive olive oil or a lot of other oils, it'll say um, cold pressed or expeller compressed, because there are methods of oil extraction that that actually use industrial solvent to to, to extract the oil out of, which uh, I don't think I want that. Um, oh, so, like, imagine, thanks. yeah, what a, what a strange process to like <laughs> use industrial solvent and then deodorize your oil to get, to get this like. Um, yeah, it's a strange thing, wow. but yeah, so and now just find yeah, something now else to eat at that point. Totally, yeah, there's totally. other things to eat. <laughs> um, um, I did find on the, co- the topic of oils. So, um, statistics about the, the most widely consumed edible oil 
in the in the U.S. I think this was was soy soybean oil, mm-hmm. and the amount consumed I found was eleven point five million metric tons. <laughs> Sunflower oil was um, three hundred and twenty eight thousand metric tons. Oh wow! So it is still a lot of sunflower oil, but nothing compared to the amount of soybean, soybean oil. Wow. wow! So I was wondering if like you ever used it as like a substitute. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know a lot of people who are using soybean oil in their kitchen. No, it's not in your kitchen. Yeah, that's true. It's a processed food thing, right? I get it. Like, yeah, maybe in like foods that are like not non-soy foods, they use sunflower oil instead. Yeah. And and for well for a while, you know, Carla, Carla's gotten over it weirdly, but she she had a pretty strong soy intolerance. So for a long time, I was really seeking out things that didn't have soybean oil in them. And, and the main mm-hmm. replacement is sunflower oil. And even yeah. more interesting is um, the lecithin. So soy lecithin mm-hmm. is in a lot of stuff. And yeah. sunflower, you can also get lecithin from. And so try this, audience. Try to find chocolate that doesn't have soy lecithin in it. It's very, very, very hard. But occasionally you find a good chocolate that either doesn't have any lecithin, that's like the really expensive stuff because it's harder to do, or you find stuff that has sunflower lecithin in it. Interesting. So that's what okay. I was buying for a long time. Now I'm not as picky because it, it doesn't bother Carla for some reason now. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Sunflower lecithin. Um, I was taking for a while for as a supplement. Like oh. you can get a tablet for. Um, you know, nursing because yes. you know when you're when you're lactating, it helps prevent clogs from forming. So, I just so I was taking the sunflower. I took sunflower lecithin. I know people have taken people would take soy, but I was like, mm. oh, soy. You know, seems like it does some weird hormonal things. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the sunflower so I, is more recommended. I think we have a jar yeah. of that actually here. Yeah, for, for the same reason. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yep. And and lecithin, I'm trying to lecithin. I don't really know what it is. I know that it is really good for emulsification. Um, So that's what is used in chocolate. It helps it like helps all the oil and the other stuff stay together instead of separating. But I don't really know much about the chemical process. Maybe I'll ask Carla later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like it. Yeah, that that would be helpful because she would be able to explain it. But I feel like it's something about like yeah, it makes the. the fats more soluble in the it, and it allows them to milk. mix with water, right? Okay, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So makes sense. <laughs> um, that's that's fascinating. Um, so thanks, sunflowers. Yeah, yeah I had gosh. I had forgotten about that connection until you mentioned the lecithin. Like, yeah, <laughs> me too. I totally I totally forgot about that. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about heliotropism? Oh, I'm going to let you have that one. I don't think I have that one. No. So heliotropism is the, um, the I guess, behavior, maybe you call it a behavior, where, where sunflowers uh, follow the sun. That's one of the reasons why they're called the sunflower. Other one, they kind of look like a sun. But any of the tropisms, like uh, geotropism is, the, is, uh, is going away from the earth. I forget. There's a negative geotropism, too, or... Or uh, there's a tropism that has to, phototropism is like when the plants grow towards a window, okay. right? The various tropisms is like how plants move in a certain way. And heliotropism is where they follow the sun. Now, this is where I, I feel like I didn't know this until like today. Because <laughs> I remember when I grew my sunflowers and they were like tall sunflowers. I was like, these aren't following the sun. 
Do you have that? Did you have that experience? You know, they were on the east side of my house, so mm. it was kind of hard to tell. And yeah, and they were kind of close to a wall. So yeah, no, and, and, I guess I didn't. And so, I and I was like, and then, and I was like, you know, in 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 other languages, so like in Italian, they're girasole, in French, they're tournesol. All those mean like turning with the sun. Like the name is yeah. not just sunflower; it's turn with the sun. And so when I grew my sunflowers, I was like, I, I went out there and I saw the big seed head and I was like, that's not facing the sun. And when I was at this place that was full of sunflowers, none of them were facing the sun. Oh. And I was like, what? Okay, but then I, I clarified today. They do to follow the sun, but only when they're young before the flower opens. Oh. Okay. After that, they apparently tend to face east. Mm, okay. And the reasoning, there's, the reasoning that scientists believe is during the growth phase, it helps with photosynthesis because you have the green, like how the green is covering the flower head and it's facing it more and so you get more sun energy. Okay. But as they get, when the flower opens, they stay facing east because apparently they warm up faster that way and they're more attractive to pollinators when they're warmer, apparently. Okay. And I found a pretty cool uh, NPR That's article cool. that talks about that and has some like uh, infrared photography of like the heated of the heated flowers and they did some experiments where they face some away you know when they're full grown and some towards the sun um but but how they do it is amazing how they how like think about that think about a plant how does a plant like turn with the sun and the full mechanism is unclear but i guess the actual like 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 how they know to do that I, i don't think i understand but how it happens is apparently one side of the plant grows faster than the other during wow. the day. Oh, and so cool. like you have this like pulley effect. And then at night, the opposite thing happens and they slowly reset as they grow slow- faster on the other side. Wow. And so they slowly reset to, to face the east and wait for the sun to rise. Wow, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, we don't yeah. think of plants uh, moving, but I guess they do in their own way. It's pretty totally. neat. Yeah. Totally. And like, I like those ones, those examples, because all plants move in certain ways. So we just don't notice them. But the ones right. that have a little bit more obvious movement and a movement that we can like identify with, like following the sun is, is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, I guess the other, the other oh, topic yeah. on sunflowers, let me see if I can come up with a good way to explain this. So um, the Fibonacci sequence... Do you did you get stuff on that? I mean, I, I yeah, didn't, like I, but I, I feel totally, like I totally know what you're talking about. But yeah, I yeah. I so the totally so a lot of so this Fibonacci se- series um, is just kind of a, a sequence of numbers. And if people want to read about it, they you could probably just Google F- Fibonacci um, sequence. But a lot of things in the plant world are organized. Um, in this way that kind of maximizes the production. So for sunflowers, the way that the seeds are aligned within the head of the sunflower, there's all these different spirals in a specific pattern. Um, and the, um, the number series, if you were to count them, the same number series can be found in pine cone scales, um, the sections of pineapples, things like that. So where there's um, a lot of fruits or um, 
things in nature. So you see that that um, Fibonacci series a lot in nature, and the sunflower is just another example of that. Yeah, I, I feel like people always give that as an example because it's also one of those ones that's like really clear and you can see it. Mm-hmm. Just for the reminder, for the math on the Fibonacci sequence, it's a, invented by a guy named Fibonacci, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I assume he was Italian. Sounds Italian. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's where you take you take one you take one and one and you add them together and you get two. And then you take the two and you add it to the one and you get a three. And then you take a three and you add it to the two and you get a five. And then you take the five and add the three and you get an eight. So you're just adding the number of four each other. So it's this pretty interesting, just simple mathematical game that I guess this guy thought of, like what happens if I do this? But then it's very interesting that you see that pattern repeated in nature and you can use it to create a spiral shape and and people and then and then that spiral is also related to the golden ratio, which is this like ratio of a uh, of rect a rectangle that is self repeating. Yeah. Very math math nerdiness, but uh, but so it is weird, it is yeah. interesting to see that stuff repeated in nature. So very cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool stuff. There is a sunflower coloring book for anybody who has little ones and wants to print the sunflower coloring book. So was it a big um, hit? I I didn't actually print it out. We just have so much paper and just <laughs> so many things to color. But yeah, the National Sunflower Association. I'll I'll, I'll send it to you, Steve, for the show notes. It's in those oh, links, so people can people can click around on there. Yeah, that's fun. But but yeah yeah yeah. <sighs> Any other fun facts or dazzling details about the sunflower that you we've know, missed? Gosh, I mean. I feel like this was pretty, I feel like we hit a lot of information. Um, the wild sunflowers, th- they do grow wild, but they've mostly been kind of domesticated at this point. Mm. Um, but like they're, the difference between like wild and domesticated, there are wild ones that grow and they have multiple flower heads per plant, mm-hmm. but the flower heads are smaller. That, um, so that's a really interesting point that you you bring up there. I wonder if there is a the wild helianthus uh, annus, the wild annual sunflower, has multiple mm-hmm. heads. I guess I've seen some like that too that are cultivated that even have multiple heads that yeah, are I guess yeah. the annual sunflower. Um, the Jerusalem artichoke, which is a sunflower, does have multiple flower heads, but they have much smaller flowers. Yeah. But that is interesting. Yeah, and I guess I guess the idea is that they were selectively bred for bigger seed heads, right? And so, yeah. actually, that reminds me. Your your what was the name of the sunflower you grew? Okay, so mine was called Mammoth Gray Stripe. So the um, the apparently the the sunflower that came back from Russia. Right. That was started cultivating was the mammoth Russian sunflower. So I assume this is related yes, to that. Right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was mammoth. It did produce a lot of seeds. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Like in the wild, you pro- probably, it's not very, inv- if it, like, if you don't have a human who's going to take your seeds and then s- specifically spread them, you probably want to not have such a weird giant <laughs> seed head. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nature kind of tries to, yeah, like you don't, nature wouldn't put all of its seeds in one basket, you know? <laughs> totally, and you would... Uh, Bunch of different... You, you'd be a little bit more uh, um, 
resilient to the deer as well if you have multiple mm. flowers. Ugh, man. Yeah, no kidding. You should look for a ver- you should look for a variety that has multiple multiple flowers next year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I don't know. But yeah, I've, I plan on some, some like, pretty ones. Oh, those are also awesome. Yeah. Other things that pollinators will still like, but yeah. yeah. I've seen some, I, th- I don't know what they are. I've seen some pretty ones that have like really amazing colors that do have a few, a few seed heads. And I think they're still just cultivars of the, okay. of the, uh, Helianthus, uh, annual sunflower. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Oh, last thing I just, I just can't, I guess like, I, I think, did I say this already? I mean, it's, I guess it's obvious, but the genus name Helianthus, Helia is for sun and Anthus is Greek for flower. Mm, so it's very it, it's it's where its greek name is what is its common name it's we call it a sunflower and the uh and this the latin name literally means sunflower okay excellent yeah makes sense mm-hmm. yeah uh, i think cool. does that wrap it up we, we talked about sunflowers i think so yeah yeah they're really fun they're so cool I was born in Kansas, I was bred in Kansas, and when I get married, I'll be wed in Kansas. There's a true blue gal who promised she would wait. She's a sun, sunflower from the sunflower stage. She's a sunflower. She's my sunflower, and I know we'll never part. She's a sunflower. She's my one flower. She's the flower of my heart. So I learned a few interesting things from that song. First of all, the state flower of Kansas is the sunflower, and it is also known as the sunflower state. Now, apparently the kansas pavilion at the 1893 world's fair did not have enough sunflowers in it i have some interesting quotes from an article uh, from the university of kansas uh, there's a quote here that said that the pavilion uh, had one of the most remarkable exhibits to be seen at the fair the work of a man who is recognized by naturalists as the best taxidermist in the country if not the world however they say that kansans were not so happy with their pavilion being filled with taxidermied animals a couple quotes here that the pavilion was devoted to a huge display of dead beasts and does not even in the slightest particularly represent the state. That's what the Topeka Daily Capital said at the time. Um, and the Newton Republican said that very few Kansas people want Kansas to be known to the world as the stuffed animal state. No, it's the sunflower state. So apparently there's a little bit of miss, but I, I assume that in the National Garland, Kansas was represented by sunflowers, even though I haven't found exact evidence of that. So yeah, that's one thing I learned from that song. The other thing I learned from that song is as audience will know that I find lots of interesting old songs about plants for this podcast, and I often look them up on archive.org. And so that's how I found this song, Sunflower, which you just heard. However, I was a little bit surprised to see that there was like at least eight different versions of the same song recorded in 
1949. And I was like, that's pretty interesting. What's the deal with that? There's like so many different versions. And I looked it up. And so the song was written by this guy named Mac David. And he rec- he wrote the song, but it was originally recorded by Frank Sinatra in 1948, 1949. And I guess because of that, it was very popular. And it was actually known as Mac David's most remunerative song, because apparently after it became popular with Frank Sinatra, he sold it to a bunch of other recording artists who also recorded it, and he made a bunch of money from that song. In fact, we'll hear a few versions of that in a minute. But let's hear a little bit of the Frank Sinatra version right now. She's a sunflower, she's my sunflower, and I know we'll never part. She's a sunflower, she's my one flower, she's the flower of my heart. Actually, like the first version better than Frank Sinatra's. Frank Sinatra's version has a little bit of a Hawaii vibe for a Kansas song, but anyway, um, that guy Mac David was a very impressive guy. He wrote a ton of songs, and probably his most famous song, which he was actually nominated for an Academy Award, was this one. Salagadula, menchikabula, bibbidi bobbidi Put them together, and what have you got? Bibbidi bobbidi Yes, that's right. Bipperty Bopperty Boo. He wrote a lot of songs for Disney, a lot of the songs for Cinderella, also the songs for Alice in Wonderland, and a bunch of other stuff. Really interesting guy. Uh, you should Google him. Um, Mac David. Really, really cool. And to wrap up the show, let's actually hear a little montage of a bunch of different versions of his song, Sunflower, performed by different artists. Kansas, I was bred in Kansas, and when I get married, I'll be wed in Kansas. There's a true blue gal who promised she would wait. She's a sunflower from the sunflower state. She's my sunflower, she's my sunflower, and I know we'll never part. She's a sunflower, she's my one flower. The flower of my heart. Skies are fair in Kansas, clouds are rare in Kansas. Never saw a place that could compare with Kansas. So I'm going home to keep a wedding date with a sunflower from the sunflower state. She's a sun, she is a flower, she's my sun, she is a flower, and I know we'll never part. Those versions of Mac David's Sunflower were by Sam Brown with the Quads and the Squadronaires, Tyler Duo, Deuce Spriggins, Jack Kilty, Jack Smith and the Crewchiefs, and then my favorite, which we heard at the beginning of the segment, is the one by Russ Morgan and his orchestra, which we will finish off with now. Oh, the moon is brighter and the Stars are bluer and the girls are sweeter and their hearts are truer and I'm here to state there's one who's really great. She's the sun, sunflower from the sunflower state. She's a sunflower, she's my sunflower and I know we'll never part. She's a sunflower, she's my one. She's the flower of my heart. 
My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Rebecca Yuri. Rebecca is a great friend, a great mom, and a great yoga instructor. You can also hear her back on episode 25 of the podcast, where she told me about Virginia Bluebells. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com support to find all the ways you can support the show, including just leaving a rating or review on your platform of choice. Rootbound is hosted by heliotropic podcaster Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, go try to track down your state's official flower. Arugula! Arugula! Arugula!